then, oh, okay, it's fine, not crying. <laughs> um, real talk, though, uh, I'll, I'll be quick with this. Um, man, I am tremendously indebted to this whole SALTS team who just, like, adopted this guy who worked with Keystone Youth, kind of randomly had me join. And Daniel's been incredible to work with. Like, obviously, you guys know he's great. Uh, I mean, like, not, I mean, like, maybe. That's still up for debate, but... I am massively indebted to those guys. So um, that said, I was going to introduce myself, but well, now that you guys already know my name, great, sweet. Um, so before I get started tonight, I wanted to do something that we don't usually do. Um, at spring retreat, I was reminded afresh of, man, how dependent we are on the Spirit of God to actually bless this time that we are together. Because here's the thing, um, nothing of worth actually happens here, like it, this is literally just like a fun gathering if God doesn't show up, right? And we come to hear God's word preached because we want to be ministered. We want to grow. We want to know and follow Jesus. And we can't do that apart from the help of God's spirit. Amen? Amen. 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 So what I want to do is I want to pray. So I'm going to start us off. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, just for bringing us together. And God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear your word. Lord, minister to my heart. I don't want to just master the Bible, but I want to be mastered by it. And I, Lord, I pray all of us, Lord, we would hear your word with joy and walk away in obedience. Not just, oh man, that was a really cool thought. No, but God, that we would be so captured by you and all of your beauty, God, we would walk in obedience. Because as we go tonight, we're going to look at a passage that has a pretty high call and it's calling us to do something that really scares a lot of us. But God, I pray that you would work on our hearts in a radical way to help us to walk in obedience. God, we love you and we pray that you would come and you'd bless this time. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. I want to start with a statistic. So, stats show that if I were to ask every single Christian in this room if going out and sharing your faith is something that the Bible says, 97% of you would say, oh, totally, of course. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to share my faith. That's pretty important. I would assume you guys would probably already know that because it's like, well, yeah, duh. But did you guys know that of that 97%, 62% of them have never shared their faith? So what's the problem? There's a disconnect between what we know and what we practice, right? There's a disconnect between what we know and what we practice. And so... Tonight what I want to do is I want to look at a passage that a lot of us know pretty well. Some of us even memorized a part of this passage. And I want to look at it with fresh eyes. We've looked at it again. Man, sometimes we can look at passages and be like, oh, man, I've read that before. I, I mean, I already know. No, I want to look at it with fresh eyes. We just ask God to, and to open up our hearts. And I want to look at that with fresh eyes because this passage alone is what has stirred up many people to go out and to share their faith. This passage has been so powerful that ministries are centered around it. It's, it's, it's their anchor verse. It's changed their, it's changed their lives. It's changed their ministries. And I believe that if you let God work in your heart tonight, this can change your life so that you can be going out and sharing your faith with confidence. And this, and this, and this passage is broken up into two, uh, three parts, right? So number one, you have the mission, you have the response, and you have the return. And so we're going to be looking at that. I want you guys to flip your Bibles open to Luke chapter 10. Because when we hear God's word, we? Oh, yes. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10. 
So here's what's happening at this point. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is, he's walking around. He's got this crowd of people behind him. They're following him. He's like, hey, hey, listen, if you want to follow me, here's what you need to know, right? And he starts to talk. And at this point in time, classic, the disciples are like, oh, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere that you go. I don't, Las Vegas, Jerusalem, you bet I'm there, Jesus. Anywhere that you go, I am there, right? And then a bunch of other disciples are like, yeah, me too, Jesus. I'll follow you anywhere you go. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold your horses, all right? Like, you, you need to know something. Before you hop onto this bandwagon, you need to realize the commitment that you're making. Because I'm not, I'm not just a hobby of yours. I'm not your self-help guru to make you better at life and get you that job. I, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm your whole life. I'm everything. Jesus actually says in Luke 9.60, just right before our passage, he literally says that following him and being on the pursuit of God's kingdom, right, Following him is more important than burying your own father. He literally says that. And that's a, obviously a very big deal. And so Jesus is making a big statement. He doesn't apologize for it because he's being truthful. Following Jesus is everything. He's like, listen, don't just hop on this bandwagon because you think it's cool. Man, join me. You, won't, you will never regret it. But it's going to require that you make me the center of your life. So Jesus continues... And that's where we find our passage. At this point in time, he is he's speaking. He says, hey, listen, um, not only uh, um, do you, is, is the kingdom of God a big deal, not only do you have to surrender your life to me, but here's what you need to do. And he takes 72 people of this crowd that's following him, 72 disciples, and he gives them a mission. So that's point number one, the mission. The point number one is the mission. He's giving the 72 of this crowd a mission. And he says this. Look with me at 10, 1, and we're going to start there. We're going to read until verse 4. Jesus, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals, and don't greet anyone along the road. So what's the first thing he tells them to do before he sends them out to go? He tells them to pray. He tells them to pray. He says, look, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. And it's an interesting image, right? Imagine in your mind this acres and acres of this, this field of wheat, these golden, this, this, this golden wheat, and you see it, and it's full, and it's abundant. There's not a square inch of this land that's not covered in this healthy and, and ready-to-be-harvested wheat. He's saying, hey, listen, that is exactly the world around you. There are souls who are ready to hear the gospel. It's not a matter of whether or not people are ready to hear it. It's a matter of whether or not you are willing to go share this message. That's it. And so he says, pray for laborers. Pray that, man, people would, would, be, would rise and would be willing to go share the gospel with their neighbors. Guys, only 38% of Christians have shared their faith in the last year. 
38%. But 100% of the world needs to hear it. There's a huge need, and I want you guys to feel that weight. And Jesus gives them a solution. He tells them to pray. That's literally it. He says, just pray. Pray that God would send more laborers for the harvest. And he says, don't even just pray once. Make this a habit. There are many of us here in the room who literally have an alarm that's set at what time? 10.02. And they, man, we do that because at 10.02, we'll pray Luke 10.2. We just looked at it. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And you're praying that and you're praying that. And here, if you start to do that, you're going to notice that something strange starts to happen. God starts to answer your prayer in a way that you wouldn't have thought. You're praying, and you're like, God, send these, God, man, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. God, raise up people to share the gospel. You know what happens? God says, I have an idea. Um, what, about, what about you? Why don't you become a laborer? And you're like, oh, oh my gosh, Yeah. Why didn't I get that, all right? And here's the reason why he tells them to pray before he tells them to go. Because prayer changes us, not God. Prayer changes us, not God. You can make a commitment, and I challenge every single one of you to pray at 10.02, Luke 10.02, to raise up laborers, and God's going to start a work in your heart, and he's going to say to you, why not you? You could do it. You can be a laborer because you're going to start to think to yourself, how can I pray for laborers if I'm not a laborer myself? Kind of feels wrong. Like there's a clear need. What am I doing? God is working in your heart. And so prayer changes us, not God. That's why he tells them to pray. And looking back at the story, Jesus tells them to pray. And then he says, now go, right? Funny, right? He says, hey, pray for laborers. Also, you're the laborer. Surprise, surprise. So <laughs> here's the thing. The, the word, if you guys look at verse 3, it says, now go. And that word go literally just means depart, get out. How many of you guys have seen a baby bird get pushed out of its nest? Have you guys seen that before? You guys at least know what it's, yeah, maybe like three people are like, oh, I've seen it before. Uh, but you guys know what I mean. <laughs> so, um, but what happens? Is the baby bird like, Hey, mom, I know you're going to kick me out next, like, like today, but hey, can we do it like next week? I'm not really, I don't know if I'm ready. I haven't done enough research on how to fly, and I haven't really flapped these wings before, and uh, let's try next week. Does that happen? Sure doesn't, because birds don't talk, okay? So if you said yes, that's a little weird. You're crazy. Uh, So anyway, but what happens is they're nudged out of the nest, And almost every single time, they fly. So it's this, boot, get out of here, and they fly. Whoa, okay, I don't know if I was ready for it. Go, and they're like, oh, I can actually do this. So in the same way, Jesus is telling you, go. Go. What are you waiting for? Go. If you're like me, maybe you'll have seasons 
of being on fire for evangelism, right? And you're like, oh, man, I'm like killing it. I'm making time on my schedule, talking to people left and right. It is amazing. And then things start to, you just kind of get a little lazy and comfortable. And you're like, I haven't evangelized to someone in like months, okay? Like it's been a long time. So then you wait and you're like, oh, man, oh, they're doing a scent series. This will jolt me into obedience. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to leave. I'm going to be on fire, and I'm going to go. Oh, my goodness, they're going to tell me the secret to evangelism. Then I'm going to go. I'm going to finally be ready. Joe and Daniel are going to tell me exactly what I need to know to be an evangelist, that key truth. What is it, Joe? Tell me, tell me, tell me, because if I know, then I'll go. Vasalka, I need you to hear something that I got to put in my heart very recently. You guys need to hear this. There is no secret ingredient to being an evangelist. There is no ding ready, oh, okay, I guess I can go share the gospel now. The only thing that you need to know, if there was anything that's going to get you to, to, be, to, to be obedient to the call to go share the gospel with people, if there's anything, it's this. Write it down. You ready? Go. That's it. Go. What are you waiting for? I don't know. What if I don't know what to say? Go. And you should be feeling a little bit of attention here. What do you mean? Like, just go? I don't, I don't know what to say. The thing is, going means trusting. It means depending on the Lord. If you were like, man, I need to watch all these videos on, uh, you know, apologetics and things like that, which are great things. Please do that. But if you're like, I can only go evangelize if I really store up this information, then I'll be ready, you know. And, man, as you're going about your day while you're trying to do all this studying, there are people who are going to hell. That's really hard. I'm talking to myself here, guys. I'm not just talking to you. Man, go. So my question is, will you go even if you feel like you're not ready? Will you go and trust that God will provide? Will you go? That's the question that Jesus is asking us. And then Jesus says, all right, guys, go. Also, leave everything. Money bag, travel bag, shoes, nothing. Just go. You're going to imagine what the disciples are thinking. Nothing? What are you talking about? Money bag? How am I going to pay for, like, food and Travel bag, like, where am I going to put my deodorant? I can't be preaching the gospel. I'm, I smell like garbage, you know what I'm saying? And, man, no shoes. What if I get an owie on my foot? Like, what the heck, Jesus? What are you talking about? Nothing. Oh, my gosh. And Jesus says, well, hey, well, okay, listen. I, I'm not doing it because I think it's funny and entertaining, which it would be entertaining. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because you need to realize and you need to learn to trust that your Father in heaven is going to provide for you. I want you to trust that your Father in heaven is going to provide for you. And friends, don't you need to hear that? That God may, listen, God may not be calling you to, to go into the city of Ankeny and the streets of DMAC, right? No shoes, travel bag, gone, you know, whatever that means. Maybe a backpack, I have no idea, right? Um, maybe Jesus isn't calling you to do that, but what he is calling you to do is to go out and share the gospel with people. And that also requires that you trust in your, fa- trust in your Father in heaven to provide for you. 
What I mean by that is, man, you feel like, oh, man, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I just, I don't feel like I'm ready. I don't know if I, uh, what, am, what am I going to say? How am I going to start the conversation? I don't even know if I know any unbelievers. Like, I, how can I go? I'm just not ready. But Jesus says to you, go and trust that I will provide. Go. Trust that I will provide. So as you go this week, will you trust him to provide? Will you trust him to provide the words you need to speak? Will you trust him to provide an unbeliever in your life to share the gospel with? Go and trust that I'll provide. I remember when I was in high school, I was, uh, I was a part of like an, like, an evangel- like an evangelism team, street evangelism team, and we all got onto the bus and we're all obviously very scared and like terrified because I had never shared my faith before. Most of us had never shared our faith before, but we get onto this bus and we head to the city. And all of us are terrified because we know we're getting closer and closer to the time when we have to go talk to people about Jesus. And I don't know if you guys have experienced that fear, but it is like, oh my gosh, like this is the end of the world. And uh, this is really scary. So we're praying and man, I wish you guys could have been there to hear the prayers that were being lifted up at that time. We're on the bus, we're kind of all huddled together up in the front and they're praying these prayers of desperation. God, we know that you, they call them divine appointments. God, we know that you have these divine appointments ready for us when we get there. There are people who are ready, right? The fields are white on the harvest. The people are ready to hear the gospel and God, would you just give us the words to say, I mean, we, none of, a lot of us have never done this before. God, we're trusting in you. Man, here's the, listen, if anybody on that bus, if anybody on that bus was waiting to feel ready to go, none of us have, would have gotten on the bus at all, right? None of us were ready. And we're praying and we're praying and we're depending and eventually we stop and we get to our location. But we get off the bus and you know, we're all kind of freaking out and we look around and you see hundreds of people and we're like, man, okay, we just got to go. And he said, hey, first contact in five minutes. So we're like, oh, okay, okay, you know. So we're like trying to find people. And they had told us, they're like, hey, listen, when you go out into the city I, and you're going into these stores, don't just go into the stores to find someone to talk to, like talk to about Jesus. Actually go buy something. Don't be a freeloader, all right? Like be a good steward, you know, whatever. So this was an excuse for me to get Froyo. Can I get an Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I went out. So me and my partner, uh, we went out and we, we got Froyo. And I remember opening the door and praying. And I'm like, God, who in here do you want me to talk to? I have no idea. I'm just like, I don't know. God, uh, can you help me? I, I, I need to be sharing the gospel. God, would you just show me? And so I get my, I get my Froyo and, you know, I take a seat. What? Well, I'm looking around with my partner. I'm like, okay, where do we want to sit? And we're looking and I, I'm like, God, where do you want me where do you want me to, to, to go sit? Who do you want me to talk to? And eventually it was like, boom, couple in the corner. Don't know why. I was like, I mean, I think the Spirit's leading me to go. I feel like I need to go talk to them. I'm going to go, okay? So I walk over and I, uh, and I just set my stuff down and I'm like, oh gosh, God, what am I going to say? <laughs> you know, like, I know where I want to go. I have no idea how to get there, okay? And so I, I go to take a seat and I'm like, uh, hey guys, what'd you get on your froyo? <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, uh, and here's the thing, it worked, okay? We were having a conversation with these strangers about froyo. It was like super, like, some people would be weirded out by that, most people would be, but they were like, that was great, I put the Oreos on here. You know? 
And, uh, <laughs> and so we're having a conversation, and I eventually am like, all right, um, hey, we're actually going around town. We're asking people questions, asking their opinions. They're a little intrusive, so if you don't want to answer them, that's okay. But can I ask you a few questions? They're like, yeah, sure, we'd love to. So I asked him a few questions. One of them was like, hey, do you have any religious beliefs? Or um, if you were to, like, this was a heavy one, but hey, if, if you were to die today, why should God let you into heaven? And they're like, oh, my goodness, I don't know. And so they're answering these questions. I'm like, hey, can I show you in the Bible, like, what God's word says about that question? Like, yeah, sure. And so, you know, I'm just like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like going with the flow. I'm like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Hey, Bible, you know, like, look, 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 look. And, um, and maybe 10 minutes down the road, we get to the last question. I'm like, hey, you've seen all this. He was tracking with it the whole time, him, him and his girlfriend. And I, I asked him, I was like, hey, what's stopping you from accepting Christ today? He's like, nothing. I, I want to do it right now. Yeah. And so two people got saved in Froyo, and I, which is great. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. Uh, here's why I share that. The whole time that this, I want you guys to see that this whole thing was bathed in prayer. We didn't just walk up. I actually knew a guy who was like pretty cocky about it the whole time. He was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Great. And he actually like got like, <laughs> he didn't get, I almost said smoked, but that sounds like he just got punched in the face. He didn't get punched in the face. But some guy like super mad at him. Like it wasn't super fruitful. Um, but I think that's just an example of, man, God uses humble people, right? And so. Man, this whole process, we're like, God, we're depending on you. We're depending on you. We're depending on you. And God opened up their hearts to get saved. And it, uh, none of us were, felt like we were ready, but we were, it was like a bird getting kicked out of the nest. Hey, go. Oh, okay. You go and you have a conversation in a Ferroyo shop. Like, God moves. <laughs> and so I want you guys to hear that, man. It doesn't take anything crazy. God is just calling you to Go. So friends, would you guys be willing to depend on him? Would you go and trust that he will provide? So after he tells him to go with nothing, Jesus says, hey, listen, relax, relax. Like, I'm going to provide for you. Actually, here's the deal. Verses 5 to 7, he says, basically, what's going to happen is people are going to open up their houses to you. They're going to feed you. Stay there. Be content. God's going to take care of you. They're like, oh, great, great. And Jesus is like, well, hey, listen, I'm sending you. Do you want to hear how they're going to respond? Yeah, yeah, I want to hear. What are they going to respond? How are they going to respond? And this brings us to our second point, the response. And so he says, listen, hey, as you go into every city, you're going to get some mixed responses. In fact, look with me at verse 8. He says, in fact, when you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things said before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Right? Listen, what he's saying is there are going to be some people who receive the gospel with joy. Low-hanging fruit. Oh, yeah, Jesus. I'll, yeah, I, I, know that I'm, like, I know I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. I'll t yeah, absolutely. And they'll receive it with joy, just like the example from earlier, right? They're going to receive it with joy. And in the midst of them being like, oh, great, they're going to love us. This is great. Jesus says this. In verse 10, it says, But when you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into its streets and say, We are wiping off even the dust of your, of your town that clings to our feet as a witness against you. Know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. 
So what's Jesus saying? Back in New Testament times, when they would wipe off the dust off their feet, that was just a symbol of them saying, I have done everything that I can. This is no longer in my hands. I, I've tried everything. It's not, my, it's not my responsibility for you to be saved. I can't save you. This is between you and God. And isn't that a little bit of a relief to you, to some of you guys here? I mean, think about it. Have you guys ever had like, opportunities or maybe friends or family members who, who you've been trying and you, you're praying for them, God, would you save their soul? And you weep over it and you're like, man, I want you guys to know Jesus. You, maybe you invite them to Salt Company, you read the Bible with them, you're praying with them, you're praying for them, you're having conversations. They just, the conversations just kind of seem to hit a brick wall every time. They get distracted or they just don't want to have anything to do with it. You know, what happens is I think, at least for me, is I start to think, man, am I, am I doing something wrong here? Is this my fault? What am, I, what am I doing wrong here? Isn't this supposed to work? And what Jesus is saying here actually takes that weight off your shoulders. He's saying, yeah, go out and share the gospel and be persistent in doing so. Go out and share the gospel. Go. But you are not responsible to save them. That was never your work. Here's the thing. You should be praying for them. Pray for them all the time, but you can't make the decision for them. And friend in the room who struggles with thinking they're responsible for saving their friend or family member, I hope this lifts a burden off your shoulders. Because the only thing that you, Christian, are responsible for is to go and share the gospel. That's what you're responsible for. At the end of the day, you can't control how they respond, no matter how much you try. You're not responsible. At the end of the day, God doesn't say, hey, hey, come on, you didn't do your best. Come on, you suck. No, it's you were faithful. You presented the gospel to them. It's their responsibility, and it's not yours. And so Jesus keeps saying these shocking things, right? In verse 12, look with me, verse 12, he says, guys, listen, I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. He says, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sodom, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades. He says, man, everyone is seeing these miraculous signs. The gospel is coming with signs and miracles and demons are being cast out and miracles are happening, but still they do not believe. So after saying all that, after really grabbing the disciples' attention, telling them that there's certain rejection that they will get, Jesus says these words. Look with me at verse 16. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. Jesus is saying something radical here. He's saying that when you go and share the gospel, you are not alone. Because it is not your message that you're carrying. It's his message. He is literally speaking through you as you share the gospel. How incredible is that? 
that Jesus is literally speaking through you as you go and share the gospel. And he says, listen, they're not rejecting you, they're actually rejecting me. And here's why that's actually relieving. I think the biggest reason why we don't share the gospel is because we're afraid of rejection, right? Like, don't we care what people think? We do. And I know for me, I, think, I can think of several occasions when I have personally forfeited an opportunity to share the gospel with someone because I was afraid of them rejecting me. I know that we've all been there. You know what Jesus says to us? He says, this isn't about you. This isn't about your reputation, your kingdom. This is about me. So why do you fear about, their rep, about your reputation? Why do I fear about my reputation? If this is all about Jesus and his glory. If the harvest is abundant and the laborers are few, why am I not sharing the gospel? Because I'm afraid of rejection. I think that we're all there. So friends, I want to ask you the same question that I try to ask myself. Are you willing to risk rejection for the sake of a soul being saved? Are you willing to risk rejection for the sake of a soul being saved? Because Jesus himself is with you. And when they reject you, they're actually rejecting him. So Jesus sends the 72 disciples out into all the cities in the area to which he's going to actually go. He says, hey, listen, get out of here. Go and do what I've raised you to do. Get out of here. Go share the gospel. And as you can imagine, the disciples are like obviously freaking out because Jesus just told them they're going to go out as sheep among wolves. So they're thinking in their mind, they're like, at the very least, it means rejection. But what if I die? Right? That's kind of what happens with sheep and wolves. Wolves eat sheep. That's, am I going to die? And so <clears throat> these disciples, they go out to these cities like soldiers heading into battle. So they're scared. Point number three is the return. The return. So they return all 72 in one piece, right? They come back, and obviously they're freaking out. Jesus, oh my gosh, can you believe it? You wouldn't believe all the things that were happening. People were getting saved. Miracles were happening. Peter was casting out demons. You could have seen, oh my gosh, that was crazy. I should have got a video of it. Oh my gosh, did you see how Jesus, you were working and oh my gosh. And Jesus is like, yeah, oh my goodness. Look at me at verse 18. He says, yes, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. And so in the midst of all this celebration, Jesus says this. Look with me at verse 20. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Guys, you want something to celebrate? Celebrate that you're a child of God. When you come back and you're like, oh man, I was sharing the gospel and people were hearing and listening. Oh my goodness, and God was doing all these great things. Oh my gosh, like, I'm so great. Pause. Rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven. Because get this, you, you guys are going to go out as sheep among wolves. And the worst thing that they can do is kill you. The worst thing that they can do is kill you. And Jesus says, 
Don't fear them. All, all they can do is kill you. Fear the one who holds your eternity, who decides eternity. Fear that one. Elsewhere, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, he actually says, don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear that one. So Jesus is saying, Christians in the room, when you go out and you share about me to your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family members, and you're thinking to yourself, man, what's the, wor okay, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to me? To be honest, in this, in this culture, in the society that we live in, it's just going to be rejection. They're probably going to say something about you. They might look at you weird. But get this. The worst that they can do is kill you. And if you're a Christian and you know that, man, I'm going to die. All of us die. That's, that just happens. And I also know that I'm a child of God. My name is written in heaven, that I belong to him, that my eternity is secure then what do you have to lose? Jim Elliott, famous missionary who actually died on the mission field, he says this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. I'm gonna read that again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Christian, if you know for sure, along with the rest of humanity, that you're going to die, and you know that the moment that you die, it will be, you will be dispatched into paradise. Why not lay it all down for the gospel? Why not? What is stopping you? If the worst enemy, death, has been conquered, why are you not going? You have nothing to lose. It's not about him, it's about his glory. And if I know that I'm going to go to heaven with him, man, what do I fear? What's thing that they're going to do is kill me? And man, that just means I get to be with my Savior. Go. That's what he tells us. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the book of heaven. And let this be your confidence as you guys go as sheep among wolves. And I don't know about you. Do you ever find yourself like me listening to a sermon like this and being like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go share the gospel. Let's go. And then Friday morning or just Friday afternoon, you have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I was actually really ready. No, no I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I urge you, don't hear the word of God with joy tonight and then get caught up with the worries of the world tomorrow, choking out what the word of God is trying to do in your heart by not walking in obedience. Don't hear what you're, what you're, what you're hearing tonight and be like, man, I really want to go, and then I just don't know. Those fears are really real, and I don't want to do it. No. Be the laborer. Look the worries of the world in the face and say, you are no match for my God. The harvest is abundant, friends. The laborers are few. So let us go out and share the gospel, embracing any opposition. Come what may, 
I will not be denied an opportunity to go share the gospel with someone. I don't care if I'm rejected. I'm just going to go and trust that he will provide for me. I'm going to pray and depend on him. And I'm going to go, I'm going to trust that he will provide for me. Is it a risk? Yes. Of course it's a risk. But it's a risk that Christ followers believe is worth taking. Because the salvation of a soul means far more than the approval of men. Salvation of a soul means far more than the approval of men. Do you guys believe that? God, help us. Salt Company, let us pray for laborers and let us be laborers. Let's pray. I invite you guys as we pray to be praying, even just in your own chair, that God would work in your heart. Evangelism is something that a lot of us struggle with. 97% say, yes, absolutely, this is something I need to do, but only 38% are doing it. So pray that God would work in a huge way in your heart as I pray. Let's pray together. God, you know that I need this sermon just as much as they do. God, I, I pray that we would go and trust that you will provide for us. God, I pray that you would cause us to just go, that we wouldn't just wait for us to, be, to feel like sharing the gospel, but Lord, let us always be ready to share the gospel to go out and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just want to be obedient to you. Here's my, here's my blank check. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I just want to be used. God, I pray that you would bless everyone here in Salt Company, Lord, that as they go out, even as they uh, go out to beat ups, Lord, they would be on mission and say, listen, I don't, this is not about me. This is about God's glory. If they reject me, they reject you. The worst that they can do is kill me. And man, that just means being dispatched into paradise. What do, I have to, what do I have to lose? God, would you stir in our hearts a fresh fire in our hearts to walk in obedience, Lord. Help us to go. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So all company, I want to invite you guys to stand up. Um, so in just a moment, we're going to, uh, as the band comes up, just a moment, we're going to sing a song called Make Room. And... Uh, that song, um, we chose that intentionally because this whole sermon, man, if you are like the 68% of people, the, uh, the 68% of people who are not sharing the gospel, you're like, man, I'm really, this is really hard for me. This is really scary. And I mean, I just need to surrender my plans to God. There is a line in this song that sticks out to me and it says, just repeats over and over, your way is better. Your way is better. Friends, many of you guys like me need to hear that and say, man, your way is better, Jesus. Your way is better. Not my way of self-preservation and, and not sharing the gospel because I'm scared, but Lord Jesus, your way is better. So I want you guys, as you guys sing this song out, I want you guys to cry out and say, man, Jesus, your way is better. I surrender my doubts. I surrender everything to you because I want to be used. I can't just stay here. I can't pray for laborers without being a laborer myself. God, work in my heart. 
Let's surrender ourselves to the God whose way is better. So let's do that together.